Today is a sort of uh, hinge morning because we come to the end of a series which has been looking at learning from disciples and today we're looking at uh, one of the greatest of disciples, Mary, the mother of Jesus. A few weeks ago, we spoke about Mary of Bethany, and we had to work out who she actually was amongst all sorts of other Marys. But there's no doubting at all of the Mary we're talking about today is the mother of Jesus. And it's also the end of the series, but it's the start of Christmas. And we've been getting really Christmassy with our songs and allusions this morning. Just want to say next Sunday is going to be a very Christmassy uh, Sunday. In the morning, we're going to be uh, seeing what uh, the rainbows have been doing through the back Sunday by Sunday. And that's going to be a main part of the morning service. In the evening, we're going traditional and we're going to do nine lessons and carols. And uh, you can safely invite your friends along to that particular service. No hidden surprises. In fact, I'll, I'll even share one with you just now. I am threatening to go BBC announcer style and wear a tuxedo next Sunday night. That might put you off. If you'd like me to do that, just raise a hand. Will you? Okay, okay, so I won't. Okay, I'll wear a jumper. That's okay, that's okay, that's not a problem. I was just playing for time while that came on the screen for me, thanks. Uh, Helen, for getting that there. I'm a great fan of Christmas. And uh, as Mandy was delighted to be reading that Christmas uh, reading this morning, I'm delighted to be talking about Mary this morning under the title, Three Words That Shaped History. And those three words were in the reading that uh, Mandy read to us this morning. But as a great fan of Christmas, I think it was Tuesday night, we heard a noise in the street I pulled back the curtains and somebody waved to me from across the street. And I have to confess, I shed a tear. Don't tell anybody, but I am a big softy. And I got all emotional because Father Christmas was at my house and a little girl came and gave me a chocolate on the doorstep. So I'm a fan of Christmas. I love to celebrate with family and friends. But most of all, what's wrong with my family, Linda? Most of all, I love to explore the Christmas story and recall all of its aspects, a story which has been with me throughout my life. In infant school, I remember learning the rocking carol. Who remembers that one? It's not, we will rock, we'll rock you. It's not that one. It's, we will rock you, rock you. you some of you remember that. Yeah. And, and I got really confused trying to understand the line in that carol which said, wrapped around your tiny form. And I don't know whether it was just in Liverpool, but for us, a form was the name of the bench that we sat on. We sat on forms in Sunday school. We sat on forms in day school. And I thought, how is this wrapped around this tiny? I couldn't get it at all. I was confused. And then in primary school, that was infants, in primary school we had our own boy soprano in our class. I looked at some old pictures, he's not in there, he must have been with us for a very short time. He didn't dress like that in school anyway. His name was Paul Southern and he had his party piece singing about the angel Gabriel visiting Mary and addressing her as most highly favoured lady, Gloria, or as the music teacher implanted in our memory banks, most highly flavoured lady and that's never gone away and has spoiled that song for me all of those years and you can do that with lots of uh, Christian songs I will make you vicious old men that's another one spoiled for you uh, there 
But I remember almost off by heart the readings in grammar school assembly, King James Version, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. And we never had a clue of what the sixth month was, but our reading today told us very clearly it was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary's older relative, the mother of John the Baptist. And then Christmas carols, carol singing. Christmas carols contain some great theology, but also some crass sentimentality. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in you tonight. That's a good line. Little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. That's bordering on heresy. If as we believe that in the incarnation God became fully man, then what fully human baby have you met who didn't cry? Doesn't stop us singing the song, but let's sing with thought. And while I enthusiastically share and perpetrate many of the traditional trappings that surround the nativity story, I'm very well aware that it's highly unlikely that a little donkey or even a big donkey transported the heavily pregnant Mary the 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Joseph was a carpenter after all. He could have made a little cart and she could have been more comfortable. She didn't need to sit on a donkey nine months pregnant. I'm fully aware that the Bible says nothing about three kings, but does speak of wise men or magi who happen to bring three different kinds of gifts, but they never made it to the stable. If indeed there was a stable, the Gospels only mention a manger. The wise men or magi visited the house up to two years later. And separating the biblical evidence from the traditional trappings can be a painful business. Sometimes we cannot see the wood for the Christmas trees, and we've grown to love those Christmas trees. But crucial to the story is the virgin whose name was Mary, who received an angelic messenger with an announcement, hence the traditional name of this story, the Annunciation, the Annunciation. Mary had been chosen by God to be the mother of his son, the Messiah. Sometimes we've been told that every young Jewish girl secretly hoped that she might be the mother of Messiah. As I review the evidence, I'm not so sure that that was uppermost in their minds. And as I look at the character of Mary today, I want to avoid speculation and concentrate on what the Bible actually says and implies. As I approach this passage today and look at Mary as the last character in our Learning from Disciples series, I ask a serious question. Was Mary chosen because she was special or did she become special because she was chosen. Throughout history, God's chosen people for particular tasks, and sometimes his choices have been surprising. Think of that identity prayed outside Jesse's Bethlehem farmhouse when Samuel comes to anoint the next king of Israel. Six strapping, good-looking boys, none of them chosen. Jesse, have you got any more sons? Yes, there's David. He's out the back. David, come on down. And Samuel anoints David because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Was David more worthy than his brothers? There seems to be that implication. He's later called a man after God's own heart, but David also screwed up big time. What about Saul, the first king of Israel? Was he not really God's choice? Things started well. Did God get it wrong? 
David recognized him as the Lord's anointed king and was reluctant to harm him. God always seems to be making strange choices. Jacob, the scheming mummy's boy, rather than Esau, the man's man. Judah, as the son through whose line the Messiah would be born. What was wrong with Joseph or Benjamin? British journalist William Ewer once wrote, How odd of God to choose the Jews. We might say, how, God of Je- how odd of Jesus to choose Judas. How odd of God to choose me, to choose you, for the fulfillment of his purposes. What was it about Mary that caused God to choose her? We can only identify with certainty two qualifying characteristics for Mary to play the part of Mother of Messiah. One is genealogical. She was of David's line, and there would be lots of girls of David's line. The other was gynecological. She was a virgin. Now, two expressions get confused in our society. One we know well, virgin birth, but often in the press, on the television, they get mixed up and they talk about immaculate conception. I need to say to you, virgin birth and immaculate conception are two different ideas. One of these is biblical. The other was enshrined in Roman Catholic doctrine by the Pope in the 19th century. Virgin birth relates to today's Bible passage, and the parallel passage in Matthew refers to the virginity of Mary at the time of conception. So actually, virginal conception is a more technically accurate label than virgin birth. The other expression, immaculate conception, refers not to the conception of Jesus, but to the conception of Mary in the womb of her own mother. And the difference between these two concepts is significant. One is biblical, and I believe it. The other is a sincere attempt on behalf of a pope to identify something extra special about Mary, which qualified her to be the mother of Messiah. It results in a sincere reverence for Mary and a belief in her sinless perfection, which is unbiblical. And therefore, I do not believe it because there's only one who is sinless. His name is Jesus, and God was quite capable of ensuring that sinlessness without the need of the help of theologians devising doctrines to make it more possible. So in the prophetic song known as the Magnificat, which Mary sang when she got her head around what was happening to her, she acknowledges her own sinfulness with the expression, my spirit has rejoiced in God my saviour, and only a sinner needs a saviour. Now there's an expression in this passage which could be described as lost in translation. Remember my primary school memory, most highly flavoured lady. In the King James Version, it says, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Or in the NIV, which we were reading from this morning, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. For me, the implication is that, Mary, you are favored. You are favored because you've been chosen. Mary, at your lucky day, not you have qualified, not you are simply the best, but I am the one who has chosen you. The message confuses us with a different nuance. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her, good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out, God be with you. There are hints there of God looks on the heart, but this is out of sync with all other translations except one. The Latin translation, which taken over into English, says, hail Mary, full of grace. 
And because of these words, there's a belief that Mary has a store of grace to bestow on others because of who she is. It's based on a misunderstanding. It's based on a mistranslation. The angel Gabriel is saying, Mary, you are the recipient of God's grace. You don't deserve this. Mary, you're the recipient of God's grace and favor because you're the one God has chosen you. God has chosen you to be the mother of Messiah, not Mary, you are going to be the mother of Messiah because you're sinless and have extra grace to distribute to other people. Why am I laboring this this morning? Because I believe the significance of Mary is not that she was special, but that she was ordinary. And the great truth that this story tells us is that God chooses ordinary people for extraordinary tasks. We can paint a sketchy picture of Mary from the gospel account. She was morally upright. She was a virgin, although engaged to be married. The slightly off-color joke applied to whatever town the comedian happens to be visiting that night. Why didn't the nativity take place in Liverpool or Glasgow or Bridge North? They had difficulty finding three wise men and a virgin. That joke, that joke illustrates the wholesale departure of our society from biblical morality. For statistically in the UK, I fear there are very few virgin brides. But Mary was honoring God, her fiance and herself by cherishing her virginity and saving intercourse for the God-ordained context of marriage. And I suggest that most of the girls around about in that Jewish society would be the same. Because if you played away, you got stoned. Morality was different. And morality there was right. She was going to be married. She was engaged. Even though times were hard and she and her fiancé were low down the social pile, she had a relatively bright future to look forward to. Yes, she was devout. That's obvious both from her obedient response and her song of praise. She was humble. We discover that by her response to the angel. I am the Lord's servant. She wasn't proud. She didn't boast about it. I've won the X Factor. Contrast the contestants on The Apprentice who tell Lord Sugar why they should not be fired. Mary wasn't of that kind. And she was inquiring, how's this going to happen? People who rule out the miraculous have come up with rational, if not credible, alternatives and suggest she was raped by a Roman soldier and so on and so forth. But Mary wasn't questioning the possibility of virgin birth if it was going to happen to her. She quite understandably was interested in the process. What's going to happen? How is this going to work out? What's it all about? And she was compliant. She didn't say, you cannot be serious. She didn't say, no way, Jose. She said, may it be. May it be. And I believe these three words are three words which shaped history. In the community pop choir, which I attend on a Sunday night, we sometimes sing a song from the 50s, which contains the line, Kesara, sera, whatever will be, will be. It's a happy-go-lucky, yet a fatalistic acknowledgement that some things are beyond our control. Yet I don't believe there was anything either happy-go-lucky or fatalistic about Mary's response to the angel. May it be. Mary intentionally embraced her destiny, trusting herself not to fate, but to a loving creator 
God. Mary was prepared to forgo the world's commonest prayer, thy will be changed, and to pray the world's greatest prayer, thy will be done. May it be to me according to your word. Unlike Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist, she didn't demand a sign, but the angel offered her one. The angel said, look, even your cousin Elizabeth is expecting, and she was considered barren. She didn't say, everyone will think wrong things about me. I can't take the risk. She said yes to God. What would you want to do after such an experience? You would want to talk to someone, someone who would understand and there was just one obvious candidate here, rather older cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth already having a baby in a miraculous way, she of all people would understand what was going on. And without even telling Joseph, perhaps especially without telling Joseph, Mary makes the tortuous journey from Galilee to Judea to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth and Zachariah had been prepared by God to believe Mary's amazing story because Zachariah, as Tim pointed out earlier, had already met the angel Gabriel, although his response had been less gracious than Mary's. But now Elizabeth, pregnant with John the Baptist, confirms the truth of what the angel has told Mary. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women!' and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. God was gracious to Mary. He graciously gave her the confirmation that she wasn't crazy but that God had in fact chosen her for that most special of tasks. Her greatness is not in her worthiness to be chosen. Her greatness is in her response to having been chosen. She responds with three words which have shaped history, may it be. Now how does this relate to you and to me? The job of Messiah has already been taken. The job of mother of Messiah has already been taken. But God has many other tasks to be done, and he chooses ordinary people like you and me to fulfill them. And I'll ask you this morning, do you know what is your destiny? Do you know what God has in mind for you? Do you know what God has chosen you for? And are you, like Mary, willing to receive it with no preconditions? May it be to me according to your word. You may not experience an angelic announcement, although do not discount the possibility. You can receive your God-given assignment in a dream, by words of scripture, while listening to a preacher, or by a strong conviction which will not go away that God has a specific call on your life, or possibly by a prophetic word which eats into your heart. It was through a preacher that I heard God call me into ministry. It was on a Sunday night, I then had no peace for several days until I'd spoken to the preacher and in the process said yes to God. God did not choose Mary because she was special. He chose her period and he can choose you too. 
I was inspired some years ago to hear words attributed to Mother Teresa. Yes, Lord. Now, what's the question? Will you say yes to God today? Yes, without even knowing the assignment? Three words which can shape the future. May it be to me, to me, to you, according to your word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, the story of Mary and the angel is so familiar to most of us, familiar from our earliest days, and parts of it have spoken to us, and parts of us we've not understood or have just passed over, or we've been anesthetized by familiarity to its impact. This great story, this serious story of your choice of a young lady to fulfill your purposes in not just in our history, but in cosmic terms, to be the mother of your son. Father, I want to thank you for those indications that we have that Mary was just an ordinary person like us, that uh, she was going about her daily life. She got the shock of her life when an angel appeared speaking to her and telling her your plans. Father, some of us would uh, understand that we've met with angels, that angels have ministered to us, but uh, many of us, Father, would never expect to meet an angel. But Father, whatever way in which you make your assignment made known to us, would you help us to be responsive like Mary? Would you help us to be ready to say, may it be according to your word? I just pray, Father, for people right across this congregation this morning from young to older, some nearing the end stages of life and having fulfilled a destiny that you've made clear to them years ago, others still seeking and wondering what it is the future holds. I just pray, Father, for each one, whether you want us to change direction, to keep in direction, or whether you want to reveal to us a new assignment, Father, that you would help us to be ready to say as Mary did, may it be. No arguments. Inquiries, yes, but no arguments. May it be to me according to your word. Amen.